What is it you want? Real estate. It's the Red Hot Real Estate Show, where we can all find out how's it going for buyers and sellers in the real estate market. I have died and gone to real estate heaven. Looking to move? Hoping to sell? Call in with your questions to real estate expert Mimi Shoneman with Remax Results. I'm going to go out and buy a house. Here she is, your host, Mimi Shoneman. Yes, she is here, Mimi Shoneman from the Red Hot Real Estate Group and Remax Results. Good morning, Miss Mimi. Good morning. Hello, hello, hello. I, and I love in that jingle where it says, I'm just going to go out and buy a house. <laughs> exactly. Because <laughs> it just makes it so easy. It's right? so simple when they're just going to do it. Exactly. Because if they're ready and they got, if they call you up, it is almost that easy. Oh, yeah. yeah. yeah you yeah. do all the heavy lifting. You know, that works. <laughs> Paperwork, girl. And helping you with all of that heavy lifting, our good friend from Supreme Lending, Mr. Phil Olson. Hello, Phil. Well, hello, gang. How is everybody? Good. I want to make sure that we start the show by not only giving you a chance to give your NMLS <laughs> numbers, but I want to make sure, and I'm sure that, uh, that Mimi agrees with me, we want to make sure we tell you Happy Father's day. Happy Father's Day, Mr. Well, Olson. Well, thank, thank, thank you, guys. So, NMLS 238103, company NMLS 2129, Supreme Lending. And you were doing some great things. So, not only for every call that calls in this year, you're donating $25 to the American Cancer Society, but I also want to say thank you because I know that you have been one of our matching donors for the Neighborhood Rebuilding Fund that we're doing here at My Talk 1071. So, thank you very much for doing that, Phil. Um, it's a pleasure. I want to help rebuild Minneapolis and St. Paul. Let's bring it back to where it was before. Right. And then we're going to be bigger and better together. So we appreciate that. So I don't think we had time last time to really talk about where we were in the market. Weren't we moving kind of quick last week, Mimi? We certainly were. Mm-hmm. We had a little bit of technical issues going on, but we we pushed I right through it. it worked out really well. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So yeah it was we like good in the dark. Nobody else <laughs> knew that we were going through. We are, you and I are so smooth. You need to not tell them our secrets. Uh, Nobody knew. I took a little video so i've got evidence yeah (laughs) but um no we did skip the market update last week phil so i think it'd be a good idea for us to talk about that because i've had people asking me okay so i had a super low rate from back when i refinanced in the day but you know rates are even lower than that now when does it make sense to refi well there's normally a kind of a standard rule of thumb if you can reduce your interest rate by one percent or greater it's definitely worth looking at. Now, if you had a mortgage, though, that's like 40000 and that's all you have left to pay, then you throw that 1% rule out the window. You're probably looking at having to drop your rate by at least 2% to make it worthwhile. That being said, for those that might have a jumbo, be it a dollars $600,000 loan amount, three-quarters of a percent is normally a standard rule. So, Normally, 1% is really uh, pretty average for most consumers. But you can also look at it maybe in a, a different way. Let's just say that you refinanced at three and a half back in the day, and now mm-hmm. you are a 30-year fixed. But you're thinking, you know, I want to cut my rate, and I could maybe move down. So our 15-year fixed rates are about what this, this last week? Two and a half percent. Wow. Two and a half percent. And what about, do you do 10-year mortgages, Phil? You, you, I do do 10-year mortgages, but there's no rate reduction on a 10-year. Oh, okay. It basically, mim- it mimics a 15. So I normally will tell clients, go with a 15 with the idea you can always pay the principal down. There's no prepayment penalty. 
Yeah, so that's a really good way. So what I heard back when I first got my license was that if you made one extra payment a year, you would significantly reduce your uh, repayback time. You'll reduce your mortgage by at least three years. You'll be at about 26.5 to 27 years remaining on your loan if you make one additional payment per year. So that's pretty significant. Right. So if you just like, you know, factored that in every single month and just had your processor, um, you know, just factor that in and make sure that you know that it's going towards your principal, though. Yeah, I was going to ask, how do you make sure that that happens? Like, you know, is it is it do I do because does it help me to pay if let's say I have a little extra money every month and I go, OK, I'm going to pay I'm going to use round numbers, Phil. Let's say my yeah. house payment was two thousand dollars a month. Does it make sense for me okay. to give twenty two fifty, or does it make more sense for me to save up all that extra two hundred fifty dollars till I have a full payment and make an additional payment? How does it work? All right, so I'll give you a couple good rules of thumb. First off, don't pay down your mortgage if your interest rate is at three percent, unless you have at least six months of salary sitting in a bank account gotcha. as an emergency fund. All right. Secondly. If you can put money additionally towards your principal and don't make the mistake of applying it towards the interest, but apply it towards the principal, you can literally go to an amortization scale and you can figure out exactly how many years you'll cut off your mortgage by applying that additional money towards the principal amount. Now, if you do it $100 a month, that's probably going to be pretty close to most people's mortgage payment on a yearly basis. Mm -hmm. All right. So in that in that specific concept right there, you're going to reduce your mortgage by over three years. Okay. Then again, like I said, don't put any money towards unless you're maxing out your retirement and unless you've got at least six months reserved in a bank account in case of, let's just say, COVID-19. Right. All right. Mm-hmm. You're, you're much better off. Uh, having a good reserve level than paying down a mortgage at 3%. Right. 100%. We're seeing that the people that have got those fully funded emergency funds have been set up for so much more success right. than folks that were maybe, you know, had some issues with the savings situation. Right. So um, we definitely want to get on track to to have that backup reserve because houses, they have things, you yes. know, you know, they do. They, they, yeah. you got to factor in for that water heater. That's going to go out the first three months that you moved in. Right. Like happened to me, um, <laughs> you know, so, or, or that the basement floods because your drain was plugged in your, you know, downstairs door, right. you know, stuff happens, you know, you can't, you can't plan for everything. Right. Um, so yeah, all of our listeners, we wish and hope for you a savings plan as soon as we come out of this pandemic, that that is something that's going to protect you and also give you some peace of mind that, you know, if something happens with your house or your life, that Mm -hmm. you've got some reserves. Right. So Phil, um, we also heard that Minnesota housing had an increase in their maximum income limits. Yep, they sure did on their, what's called their step up program. They've now increased your maximum income family income limit. And when I say family income limit, that means you have to count everybody in the household uh, as far as the income they receive. And that means even if you have a part-time job or you have a part-time self-employment job, that income has to be calculated. But right now for Minnesota, it's $149,500. I would probably tell you that will take care 
of probably 80%, 85% of all the consumers in the state of Minnesota are probably going to be below that number. All right. And so what was the number previously? How much did it go up? Uh, I think it was 137000 okay. So it went up about twelve grand. So that's a nice. So this is the, the down payment plan. This is the program that people can use that were first-time homebuyers, correct? Minnesota Housing? They well, it's it's believe it or not, the step up program can be used for a first time home buyer and a second time home buyer. They could even be a move up buyer. Okay. And the step up program can give you up to seventeen thousand dollars in down payment assistance. Okay, well that's exciting news. Um, anytime you can get an increase like that, it get, makes more people eligible for the program. So when we come back from this break, Phil, I think we're going to talk a little bit more about what's going on with the market and then maybe move into some fun stories that have happened over the last few weeks. Perfect. All right. You can be part of the Red Hot Real Estate Show. Just call us at 651-641-1071. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Red Hot Real Estate Show here on My Talk 1071 and streaming on MyTalk1071.com. I'm Miss Shannon here with Mimi Shoneman from the Red Hot Real Estate Group and also from Supreme Lending, Mr. Phil Olson. Hey, Phil. Hey there, guys. So let's just finish up this market update because I, I do want to get to forbearance because that there have been some updates on that. But um, so... Both of us are seeing a lot of activity right now with people wanting to talk about buying and selling both. And people are, are starting to feel more confident that the world is not, the sky is not falling um, and that there is still activity. The biggest question I get from sellers is now a good time to do it. Well, my answer is absolutely 100% yes, because of several different reasons. The demand is on fire for buyers out there. There's just not enough inventory to go around. The inventory is super low. And cross that with the fact that, you know, in, interest is so great right now. Correct. I'm seeing a lot of activity. I'm seeing a lot of people that uh, are are working from home. They found out that they can work from home and be productive there, we're seeing people moving out of the inner cities, believe it or not. They're wanting to move out to rural America. They're buying second homes. And I will say it is literally crazy out there. Crazy, crazy busy. Yeah. And so are you seeing a lot of activity on the refi side of business? Still seeing a lot of demand for refinances. Uh, a lot of customers uh, years are, are still sitting with interest rates above the 4% rate. And we're we're seeing we're seeing a lot of business in that specific uh, area as well. And why do you think that is? Why are people interested in in uh, refinancing right now? Well, I think a lot of people are wanting to shore up their finances. I think COVID nineteen is has definitely scared them. Um, the unknowns of the economy in the future uh, down the road. So I think people what people are doing. A lot of people are are refinancing and they're and they're actually remodeling their home. They're paying down their debt. Uh, there's people paying off their student loans uh, based on the fact if your student loans are sitting at 5% and you can get an interest rate of 3%, there, there's an automatic savings of interest right there. So there's, there's so many reasons why people are either buying or refinancing and, and the market is super hot. And so they're taking the money, they're doing what's called a cash-out refi to pay off the higher higher interest debt that they have. Correct. 
Okay. Uh, last week, last week I, I did a refinance, and uh, when everything was said and done, uh, the client saved $1,800 a month. Wow. That's amazing. Right. And how was that? What were they, what did they save that on? Basically, they paid off a bunch of debt, some high credit cards with some very, very high interest rates. Uh, they also paid off a vehicle. Uh, they basically wanted to be completely debt-free. And when everything was said and done, their mortgage payment went up 500 but we slashed, we basically slashed about $2,400 in outgoing monthly expenses. That's amazing. Um, so what percentage of homeowners or renters would you say are in forbearance right now? Uh, based on the latest based on the latest statistics I've been seeing, it, it looks to be about 25% of renters and 20 to 25% of renters and homeowners are still in the forbearance program. Okay. Okay. So let's just define for folks that may not have even heard of forbearance or what that means. What exactly is that, Phil? A forbearance is where the the lender has stopped requesting that you make the payment. Of course, you contacted your servicer and said, due to COVID-19, due to a job layoff, due to it is a, a loss of wage, uh, we need to stop making our mortgage payment for a period of time. Now, the federal government plan allows a consumer to put their home in forbearance for a total of 12 months. Now, after that 12 months, dependent on who your loan is being serviced by, okay, and who owns your loan. If it's owned by Fannie Mae or Freddie Mac, what they're stating is automatically the amount of money that you owed the servicer during that time span is being put on the back end of the loan and does not have to be paid back until you either sell or refinance. If your uh, home is not owned by Fannie Mae or Freddie Mac, and it's what we would call a portfolio loan, then there's multiple different types of forbearance programs out there. Some are good, some I would tell you to stay away from. And matter of fact, if you don't have to go into forbearance, I would recommend not doing it because there are some there are some drawbacks, some major drawbacks. And so what does being in forbearance do to the folks that have Freddie Mac or Fannie Mae servicing their loan? What is that? What kind of hit to the credit does that take or is there no hit at all? There is no hit to the credit report. The federal government said that the consumer is not to be reported during that time. And then they'll, there'll be a word uh, on your specific trade line of the credit report and let's just use, let's just say it's U.S. Bank that you're making your mortgage payment to. On that specific trade line for U.S. Bank for the mortgage, it would be put in verbiage underneath consumer in forbearance. Okay. And there is no derogate, there is no derogatory hit to the credit report. Now, Phil, you said when we were dealing with forbearances before that it would impact maybe if you wanted to refinance or do something else and put that on a holding pattern. Is that still the case with forbearance? I would tell you there's been some major changes do, with the forbearance program, okay, and that is basically what's called the reinstatement, okay. all right? So if, if a borrower has gone into forbearance and if they bring any missed payments current, they will be eligible for a new loan immediately. So let's just say they did not make their payment in April, May, and June. Okay. Let's say that payment, let's say that payment was, 
$2,000 a month. All they have to do is pay their servicer back the $6,000. And as long as they're back to work making their same amount of hours or they can qualify based on the new income after being laid off and going back to work, they can immediately refinance or they could immediately purchase a home, which is totally different than what we, where we were at probably about 45 or 60 days ago. Well, that's significant improvement. Mm-hmm. It's nice that, right. to know that you can put that on the back end, that you don't have to come up with uh, $6,000 or whatever that number is, you know, up front. Um, that's what we were all afraid of. Right. Um, so for the folks that don't have the benefit of uh, being serviced by Fannie Mae or Freddie Mac, what are you seeing out there in the field, Phil, that those people are facing? I would, I, I mean, this is what I've heard. I've heard that, There's been what's called a three-month program, a six-month program, um, where they're put into forbearance, but then I've heard that they have what's called a balloon commitment, meaning that once that period is over, they have to pay that specific lender back all at one time. And then I've also heard that some lenders have uh, set up what's called a partial repayment program for the consumer. I cannot specifically tell you I've seen any of the paperwork regarding that. I would just tell the consumer to thoroughly understand what they're getting themselves into, what are the terms, what's the repayback, what's the positive, and then and last but not least, what's the negative. Well, let's just say that somebody did go into forbearance, Phil, and they are still not fully back at work, but they've got equity in their house. Um, so is there a way for them to pull out the equity in their home to pay off that forbearance or do they not qualify to do that? Well, under the way the program is basically in writing at this point in time, okay, they have to meet the specific criteria and it says that any mispayment they must bring current will be eligible for a new loan if they bring any mispayments current. So, Tapping into their equity is is probably going to be difficult unless maybe they try to get what would be called a home equity loan and a, a small home equity loan for maybe a local bank, then pay off pay off their arrearage to the servicer, and then they would then qualify. But what would that have done to their credit if they are going through all of this? Anything? Their credit score should not be harmed at all. Okay. They should still have the same credit score. Okay, well, that's good to know. Um, so can we, we just got a couple minutes before we head into the next break, but do you, maybe, maybe one minute. <laughs> right. <laughs> Shannon's looking at me like, you know, maybe not, maybe 30 seconds. Yeah, about 30 seconds. Yeah. So I think we should actually tell people what he's going to, what you're yeah. going to talk about when we get so back. So when we get back, Phil, we've got a fun money story. And uh, I think we want to talk a little bit about loss mitigation and what that looks like. Perfect. Right. And you can also be part of the show. Call us at 651-641-1071 to be part of the Red Hot Real Estate Show. And I always want to remind you, you can always go to MN, what is it, MN? Come on, Mimi. MNRedHotRealEstate.com. Thank you very much. We'll be back on the Red Hot Real Estate Show.
the Red Hot Real Estate Show here on My Talk 1071 and streaming on MyTalk1071.com. On the line, we have from Supreme Lending, Mr. Phil Olson. In the studio, we have Mimi Shoneman from the Red Hot Real Estate Group. And Mimi, we did post a bunch of those wonderful links that we put up every week. Yeah. And we had some listeners that have been shopping with us online. So it's a great resource. Be sure and take advantage of the things we put up there. And also, we do have the new summer guides. Uh, things to consider when buying and selling a house. So right. those are updated quarterly. And so those are posted as well. And you can just download those. Um, but I think, you know, Phil, we want to wish you a happy Father's Day yes, again. Yes, we do. And, you know, thank to, you. To thank make, you. To make Phil's day, I think, would be to, um, for somebody that's listening, to call and ask him a mortgage question. Yes, please. I think that would make him so happy. Right. And that number is 651 641 1071. So, um, Phil, let's talk just a, just briefly about the loss mitigation piece. Yep. Okay. So the first part I talked about was what's called what was called reinstatement, where you immediately pay back the money. Under a loss mitigation, that is basically if and I don't know, just sum it up quickly. If the consumer gets back making their mortgage payments and they make three consecutive mortgage payments. At that point in time, they have the ability to refinance. And if they owe more, be it, let's say they were on the program for four months, but they make three payments, automatically they can refinance. They can build in what they owe to the servicer during that time that they missed the payments of COVID-19. And that would still be considered a rate and term refinance. Okay. So, yes. They can refinance. They have to make three monthly payments, get back on the back, get back on the bandwagon, make three monthly payments, and at that point in time, they can refinance. Okay, well, that's good to know. Which is which is a big, and that's a big change because at one point about sixty days ago, we were being told that the consumer had to wait twelve full months before what, Phil? Before they could refinance. Okay. So that's gone from a twelve-month period to a three-month period now. Okay, well, that's significant. So I think that, you know, you we all see things where we're able to, like, offer people really, really good deals. And that I think you have a really good story for this week. Oh, I absolutely do. And uh, I had a buyer of mine call me to purchase a home. And we, he was asking me, so what is the 30-year rate? And I quoted that out to him. And he goes, okay, so... He applied online. I worked it up. And once I started working up this file, I'm going, why does this guy want a 30-year fixed? I go, his debt-to-income ratios are at 12%, makes great money. So when I called him back, I said, have you given any thought to a 15-year or a 20-year mortgage? He goes, no, I really didn't. I said, well, based on a 15 or a 20, your payment would be this. But in the end... He ended up taking the 15 years, and it saved him $130,000 in interest over the life of the loan. And here was a client calling me for a 30-year, and here's where I talked to him and looked at their scenario going, I can do better than that. So I thought that was a big win for the consumer. 100%. And got a great interest rate, too, right? Exactly, a 2.5%. 2.5 percent may as well just be free mm, exactly. <laughs> it is free money you know but me, I'm like, I shake my head every day i'm like how is this even happening it's so funny how quickly things change too yeah because you know, we were talking about how what 15 years ago when we thought the rates were like 
a steal. Now they're half that. Well, even in December, they True. were like close to five. Right. You know, it's well, like, what happened? Well, we know what happened. We know what happened. Yeah. So we might as well capitalize on it yeah. if we can. Well, Phil, I do want to yeah, well. like start talking a little bit about what folks can be doing. We know that that uh, since the last uh, recession, people have been doing a great job at not using their homes as as a bank. They've got great equity positions. Uh, Nearly everybody that we're talking to has a good equity position in their house. Correct? I'm not seeing. Oh, absolutely. I'm not seeing anybody, you know, underwater at all on their mortgage. Matter of fact, I'm seeing so many homeowners that are at a 50% loan to value, meaning they got 50% equity in their home. It's anywhere is really between 50 and 80%, um, you know, loan to value, meaning they have a 20 to 50% equity position in their home. And I can't tell you the last time I ran into somebody that owed 200,000 and their house is, was worth 200,000, just not seeing it. Right, um, and that's a really, really strong statement right. with how, and this is nationwide, this is not just here in the Twin Cities. So last week we started talking a little bit about folks are wanting to move out of the area, either A, sell their city home and buy a lake place, or get a second place, keep their home. But one of the ways that we talked about that you can qualify to get that second home is the distance test. Correct. It needs to be 50 miles. Um, but also- normally, I mean, the standard rule is 50 miles, but it, it can it could be less than that, depending on the situation. But that's a good standard rule. OK, so that's that's one of the rules. But we also started talking about, you know, when people are thinking, where am I going to get the money? You know, I'd really love to do that, but I just don't have the money because, you know, this, that or the other thing. But what they could do with you, Phil, is they could do what's called a cash out refi and get the money for the down payment for the second home. Correct? I've got a great I got a great story on you on this situation. I have a VA client owns a home up near the Duluth area, did a cash out refinance and ended up buying a home here in the cities for for his daughter to go to the University of Minnesota. Now, it's not it's not a second home. But they took the cash out, bought the house for cash here in the cities. The same concept can be used for a second home. And so that way they got a a more favorable interest rate because they were able to take advantage of that. Uh, Well, they they got a a very favorable interest rate. But the bigger, biggest key on this whole thing was my client was then a cash buyer. And guess what? They were in a multiple offer situation. And because they wrote a cash offer, their cash offer was accepted. Wow. And so that's practically making magic. That's, that's, what that is. that's how you win mm-hmm. in those multiple offers because cash is king, always yes. is, always has been. So, Phil, um, you had a really good story about um, uh, an appraisal that came in low this week. Yep. Let's talk about that because yep. you and I have both have, have had clients in the past that when push come to shove and we're waiting on the appraisal to come back and the appraisal did not appraise and that's a scary moment for everybody. So tell everybody about your story. All right. I call it the save of the week. Buyer was buying a home in the Metro. The appraisal came in low by $8,000. So I partnered with the agents and was provided more comparables that could possibly be shown to the appraiser. I presented this information to the appraiser management firm because I'm not able to go directly to the appraiser. And that information was forwarded on to the appraiser. 
Unfortunately, the appraiser felt that the comparable that I presented was not a good comparable. Okay. Well, unfortunately, I didn't agree. So I then went to my appraiser management firm, talked with the head appraiser manager of the appraisal management firm, and I presented this appraisal or this comp to him, and I go, why can this comp not be used? The person told me on the phone, Phil, you're absolutely right. There's nothing wrong with this comparable. The appraiser should use it. I said, so what do we do? My appraiser management firm said, let's do a new appraisal. Under conventional guidelines, now if this was a government loan, this is not, you don't have the ability to do this. But on a conventional loan, if you feel that the appraisal was a bad appraisal, you can write up, it is a story as to why it was bad. You can order a new appraisal. We ordered a new appraisal. We got it back four days later. Believe it or not, it came in $2,000 over the purchase price, and we closed on time. So um, what are some of the reasons that you saw with that particular comp that made it, uh, that you feel like it, that the appraiser didn't think it was a good match and why you thought it was? Okay, two words. The appraiser appraised, it was four homes, listed all four homes as a bungalow, okay, as a bungalow. The comp I had was a rambler, okay? Now, a rambler and a bungalow are exactly the same. I talked to four different appraisers. They all agreed you can use a rambler as a comparable versus a bungalow. Well, the appraiser that I had said, no, you can't. That's why, because I did all the research I did on this situation, is why we were able to use a comparable that was only three blocks away. We were able to use a Rambler three and a half blocks away. And the appraiser used that comp, and it justified increasing the price of the value of the home. And so how long of a time frame did this happen? Uh, from the time that you got from, the, the bad appraisal to the time that you challenged it and got the win? It happened. I was able to get it done in a total of six days. Okay. So when we come back, I think, Phil, let's talk a little bit about the types of mortgages that are available for people that want to look into the possibility of getting a second home. Sounds great. We'd also love to take your calls. The number is 651-641-1071. We'll be right back with the Red Hot Real Estate Show. Welcome back to the Red Hot Real Estate Show here on My Talk 1071 and streaming on MyTalk1071.com. Here with Mimi Shoneman and Phil Olson talking about some, uh, we've gone through a lot of things today. So if you have any questions, if you've been talking about, well, how do I do the magic of getting a second home? How does that work for me? Today's a great time to call. You know, we're already bugging Phil on Father's Day, so you might as well call in today. The number is 651-641-1071. Well, it's not all doom and gloom in the real estate world. It really isn't. Um, because we're all taking safety precautions, making sure that people are are not touching when they're in showings, that they've got their masks and the hand sanitizer. And like do- even when I was doing mine, like the way when the appraiser came by and they were very cautious about everything and, and, and came by and were very comfortable with making sure they wore their mask. They had their, their, their shoe coverings or took their shoes off to make sure whatever it was that I needed and to be comfortable, they did. Absolutely. And so, but... People, if they're thinking that the market is is not happening and, and things are still slow, it isn't the case, right, Phil? 
No, not at all. Matter of fact, it's the exact opposite. I really thought we would see a slowdown uh, during the COVID-19. I actually think <laughs> we even see more activity. I, I, I guess I just don't get it. Well, you know, well, people have time to concentrate on it. So if you are working, you're like, well, all the extra stuff that I was going to do. I might as well work on my house. But but I'm (laughs) going to tell you that for the folks out there that think that this is the time that they're going to get the deal because Mm -hmm. of COVID, that is delusional. Right. Okay. That is not reality because uh, sellers are savvy. They know that the inventory is low and they're pricing their homes accordingly. Um, So you want to be respectful to these sellers. So if you come in with a lowball offer, um, I received one in Woodbury back a month or so ago. And it was like, you've got to be kidding me. Um, so they're not taking it. They're they're not playing. So right. just, you know, you may as well not waste your time and your agent's time if you're going to do stuff like that. Right. Um, so, Phil, let's talk a little bit about the mortgage financing programs that are available for people that have the desire to get a second home or move out of the area. All right. So second home and move out of the desired area, two different things. If it's a second home, it's strictly a conventional loan product. If they're moving out of the cities and they want to move, say, to Prescott, Wisconsin, well, then you've got, you've got conventional VA, FHA, WIDA, uh, every single program out there under the sun if you're just buying another house someplace else and you're going to live there as your primary residence. The key is if it's a second home and you're going to have a primary residence, you're going to own another home, that's going to be your second home, then the minimum down is 10% down. But when people, you know, say, well, I don't have 10%, there's normally a lot of different ways to find that 10% or that additional money that they need. An example, we talked about how much equity people have in their homes. Well, they could do a bridge loan or a home equity loan to get their 10% or more down And they use that money as the feeder money for their down payment on their second home. Gifted funds are authorized on a second home, all right? As long as they've been seasoned, okay, if they've been seasoned for longer than 60 days, gifted funds could be used. As long as it's been in their bank account longer than 60 days, those funds could be used. Um, So tapping into equity is probably the the easiest way for a lot of people are tapping into their investments to come up with that additional 10% down. How about taking a 401k loan to get the 10% down? Then again, a lot of people already have the 10% in their bank. Let's just talk about that because I think that there's a lot of fear that people have when they when you talk about taking a loan from your 401k. Right. So can you like do a deeper dive into what that really looks like? Sure. There's two different ways that you can take money out of your 401k. The first one I'll never recommend. That's called a liquidation. You're liquidating the fund with no intention on paying it back. And if you're not over the age of 62, you're looking at potentially a very, very large capital gains hit. I would definitely recommend if that's what you're going to do, please talk to your tax accountant first. Okay. And what's the second way? The second way is for you to take a loan against it and pay it back through automatic payroll deduction through your employer. By taking a loan against your 401k, there is no penalty to the IRS. Secondly, you're going to pay interest when you pay that loan back. 
The interest you're paying, you're paying to yourself. Third, there's no cost to do it. I've yet to ever hear of a 401k charging somebody for a 401k loan. If there is, it's very minuscule. And believe it or not, I've seen people get anywhere between two years to 10 years to pay it back to their to their current employer. Okay. The key is the 401k must be with your current employer. If it was a previous employer, then more than likely you no longer have a 401k. You now have what's called an IRA. Okay. Let's let's talk a little bit. You and I've done what you call a construction to perm loan. Um so for yep. folks that are looking at land and selecting a builder, um you have a product where it's very specific to that that not all lenders have, correct? Correct. Correct. Well, there's there's lenders that have it, but not not as many lenders have what's called a construction to perm one-time close loan, okay? And under a, a construction to perm loan, basically, it saves the consumer a lot of money because they're not having to close, do a construction loan, and then do what's called an end loan. Basically, it gets wrapped all into one. You do the construction loan piece first. When the house is done, we then do what's called a modification of the note. And basically, you go from a construction loan to an end loan. And you save a lot of money by not having to pay additional fees, such as double mortgage registration tax and double uh, what would be called owner's policy or a lender's policy for title. Phil, is that another one of those things that you can do with Supreme Lending that some lenders can't process that kind of loan? That that current product right now with Supreme is actually in the works, and I believe it's going to be rolled out here very, very shortly. Gotcha. Uh, and my, uh, that's what I'm hearing right now. Mm-hmm. I know with uh, with Amic Home Loans, we did have that product. Gotcha. But yeah, I so- believe the same product, the same product that we had with Amic, is being rolled out with Supreme Lending. Okay, Phil. Um, I do want just before we end the segment here in a couple minutes, um, what should folks that are not yet retired, but they are, have the thoughts that you know they want to have a second home in retirement? there's a process that they should be planning for before they actually don't have employment. What do you recommend that timeline to look like? I always recommend uh, if they're considering buying a second home that they would partner with me one year prior to doing that. Uh, So that way we can take a look at their financials, take a look at what their financials look like in an employment situation while they're receiving employment. And what is your, what is their financial situation going to look like in retirement? Uh, once an individual retires, you're looking at basically two different ways of getting approved. One is with W-2 income, salary income, hourly wages. Once you go into retirement, now we're talking Social Security, we're talking investments, we're talking pension plans. And those three things that I just mentioned have different guidelines. And a lot of people assume that once they retire, getting a mortgage is just as easy. Okay, so one year prior to retirement or sooner um, so that you can do some proper planning because it's probably easier to get that second home when you are a W-2 or or being able to show consistent income, correct? Correct. Okay. 
So next week, um, we'll be talking more about these types of, of subjects. And Phil, how do folks get a hold of you during the week for questions? They can get a hold of me at 651-238-6748 or phil at callphilolson.com. And Mimi, I know we can find you at mnredhotrealestate.com. Correct. All right. Thank you for being part of the Red Hot Real Estate Show. You can find us on mytalk1071.com, keyword red hot.